Hi guys, welcome back to episode four of our podcast. My name is Vicky. I'm Cindy. I'm Linda. I'm Nancy. And you're listening to Her Stories. So, Generation 1.5. What the heck is that? So I ran across this term while I was at work, and one of my peers described it to me. Um, prior to that, I had never heard it before. So who make up Generation 1.5? The term Generation 1.5 is used to describe those who are neither first nor second generation immigrants, hence the 1.5. Just to clarify, first generation would be those who immigrated and are foreign born. So for example, our parents who immigrated to Canada from Laos would be considered first generation. Second generation would be those who were born in the country that their parents immigrated to and have at least one foreign-born parent. Technically, by definition, we would all be considered second generation. However, learning about the characteristics of Generation 1.5, we resonated much more with their experiences. So here's some general characteristics or mutual experiences shared by Generation 1.5. They immigrated to the country that they're living with their parents, typically under 18 years of age. They often speak their native language to their parents, feeling the pressure of balancing traditional values of their native cultures while growing up and integrating to the Western world. Many act as interpreters or translators for their parents, and they may struggle with balancing their dreams and high expectations of their parents, especially with traditional family responsibilities. More specifically, which of these characteristics or experiences did you resonate with from what Vicky mentioned so far? Um, I would say being a translator for our parents. Um, a lot of the times we'd have to read their mail and then translate to them um, so they'd understand what they were looking at. And not only did we translate for them, we translated for them at a very young age. Yeah, right? like... When we were able to read English. Pretty much, like seven? Yeah. <laughs> um, but we also had older siblings who did some of the translating as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I can relate to all of those except for immigrating mm-hmm. into the country. I mean, I'm thinking about, okay, I speak to my parents in Hmong uh, because they're older. Um, certainly in different t- at different times in my life, I definitely felt the pressure of balancing, you know, Hmong values um as opposed to you know western values so that's something that resonates with me too um yeah and our parents kind of having expectations high expectations of us because they gave up everything to give us this life that we have here literally gave everything up at home and so you know having that on you is kind of like a a pressure to Mm -hmm. to succeed and uh, make their trip here worth it yeah that is a really big on you know get your education yeah definitely always talks about that Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like a lot of immigrant parents feel the same way Mm -hmm. that's probably the only one that i can resonate with because my parents are a lot younger than yours Mm -hmm. like to make sense of it my father is linda cindy nancy's father's nephew so (laughs) <laughs> so that's the age difference yeah so my mom yeah. and my dad came here when they were a lot um younger mm-hmm. so they adapted to the western world a little bit easier mm-hmm. but i do resonate with like them expecting a lot from us mm-hmm. they basically brought us here with nothing built their life up and said 
okay, now go be a doctor or go do this and do that. You have all of, you know, all these opportunities ahead of you mm-hmm. go and yeah. flourish, which yeah. is a lot of pressure and a lot harder than they make it seem. But I understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. What has been the impact of being Generation 1.5 in your specific family? It's definitely really hard trying to bridge the gap between the three different generations that we have in our family. For us, we have our parents who would be the first generation, mm-hmm. and then we would be considered second, and then our nieces and nephews who were born here and have Canadian-born parents are third generation. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, we're all communicating or we're all trying to communicate together, it can be a little bit stressful, a little bit difficult sometimes. None of our nieces and <laughs> nephews can speak Hmong or they know the basic terminology like, hi, hello, are you hungry? Mm-hmm. But they can't carry a conversation with them. So we as generation, the second generation or generation 1.5 mm-hmm. would be the ones to try to bridge the gap. And we do our best to interpret what our, you know, our parents say to them and try to make it as understanding as mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. But it's still really hard for us, too, because we don't really understand fully or get the full concept when sometimes when they're trying to, like, share their wisdom on us yeah. right? or impart wisdom. Mm-hmm. But we do our best to, to share those, those words with them <laughs> as, as much as we can. Nancy, that actually re- reminds me of a really funny uh, story that happened at church the other day that you told me. Remember? What? I remember, remember when we were talking about how, um, you know, at church, the sermon and everything is pretty much uh, in Hmong, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you asked Charlotte, uh, oh. do you know who, do you know what language this is? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I was just thinking in my head, they really don't know. It literally mm-hmm. probably sounds like nothing to them. Like gibberish. Yeah. Because yeah. when we ask um, our nephew what Hmong sounds like, he goes, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Matthew, <laughs> and I'm right? Like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, okay. So for them, it's it's literally just gibberish. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to what Nancy was saying about kind of um, trying to be like the mediator between the, the first generation and the third generation, I, I think about... Um, our parents and their reliance on us mm-hmm. right and how hard that must be as parents to really like let let go of their ego mm-hmm. and have their children really help them because they can't fully speak english right so they rely on us for a lot of things not yep. just translating but just just a lot of stuff that they have to navigate in canada mm-hmm. and um, i think about if i was in their shoes Yep. right oh, how would would i be frustrated all the time be like oh my goodness right um so yeah there's that interesting dynamic where you realize that there are aspects of um our life i guess where our parents are or there's a role reversal yeah, yeah. i noticed that there are also some social cues that my our parents miss sometimes i know for my mom like when we go out together in public to like grocery store or something and let's say for instance they like double charged us right Mm -hmm. she doesn't know how to approach the situation so her way of her way of approaching is just like you cheated me (laughs) give me back my money right but she doesn't 
she doesn't understand that that comes off really aggressively. Mm. And so those social cues, those cultural differences, they do make a really big difference. Mm-hmm. So I have to be the one to say, oh, I'm so sorry. Like my mom is trying to convey this message. Mm, she just yeah. feels, she just want to say you made a mistake. <laughs> right? You're like, let me, let me retranslate. Yeah, I'm just going to retranslate it <laughs> in a more calm and gentle way. Mm-hmm. I think you accidentally scanned something twice. Yeah, right? <laughs> I saw you Where she's like, you steal my money. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, he, she didn't mean to. It was the computer. <laughs> Another point would be when our parents feel disappointed uh, when they feel like we're too assimilated into the Western culture. Mm. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. What, what, can you provide an example? Well, I mean, I guess one thing that comes to mind is... Um, like calling our parents or having our, our our sisters-in-law calling our parents by their first name like that's not something that like I know westerners they do that but in our culture it's very disrespectful to do that or even to to call our sisters-in-law by their first name um I think is frowned upon for sure yeah yeah and mm-hmm. I think I think in general I just think some things that we do or the way that we phrase things seems too assimilated. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to do it my way. That's, they're like, oh, wait, no, no. We are a mm-hmm. yeah. collective, you know, mm-hmm. interdependent family here, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, we've talked about this in the past with regard to, like, making decisions. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you make a decision without them, that's like, oh, you see, she's assimilated into Western culture. She's not mm-hmm. asking us for, for help. Yeah. Even simple things like moving out, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Right? If we move out, we would think in Western culture, like, that's very typical. We're gaining independence. But for, you know, our parents, they could consider that, like, we're abandoning them. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. we're, we're, We don't want to take care of them anymore. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that's another impact we yeah. have. Mm-hmm. You pretty yeah. much can't, especially I would say as a daughter, like, you can't leave unless you're getting married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much. Not that you can't leave, but... They they they'll have something to say about it. Yeah, yeah. Right. they Not don't want. They'll have some thoughts. <laughs> and I think it's it's important to bring up the fact that we have this view because we're we, because Generation One Point Five resonates with us because mm-hmm. most generation or second generation people they they I don't think they feel as strongly tied to mm-hmm. these things. Like for example, we all still live at home because we have that type of mindset that generation 1.5 mindset where it's like oh, okay like you know um it does make sense to wait to get until we get married or until we're on mm-hmm. our own two feet kind of we're still we still have this sense of duty to our parents mm-hmm. we have we have a strong loyalty to our family too. yeah like yeah. if i don't have if i'm not married yet or if i don't have any other responsibilities then i might as well just stay with my family and help them wash their kids exactly. or clean the house or just live with them yeah mm-hmm. might as well right yeah and i'm not quite sure and i'm like I, i'm i am actually a second generationer but <laughs> i'm not sure that other second generationers feel the same way that right. as strongly about okay like what do my parents want from me that's mm-hmm. rare i think that's rare these days yeah i agree i agree because i can probably think of a few people right now who would be like why <laughs> right like why do you why do you care like mm-hmm. we live here they don't need you to take care of them like that's it's not necessarily the point it's just how we were raised because it makes sense back at home in laos mm-hmm. for you to continue to stay with your family to take care of them and then the women move out when they get married because they get married really young. 
Mm-hmm. You probably won't see, you know, 30-year-old Hmong women still living at home mm-hmm. with their parents because they're already married. So we have to figure that out too. Here, okay, we're almost 30 and we're not married yet. We still live with our family. We have to figure out how that is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Because now you're all adults. All these adults are living in one house. The dynamics change. The dynamic is different. You have mm-hmm. to figure it out. So that's definitely something that a 1.5, generation 1.5 has to deal with. Right, right. Whereas a second generationer, I feel, would be like, peace. Yeah. Or, like they no, be I don't want to deal with this. Talking at, to you from their apartment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Where? And it's, it, you know, also, I think, a part of, to, to provide context, our parents, like Lin- mine... <laughs> I said Linda. Mine's <laughs> Cindy and Nancy's parents are much older, mm-hmm. right? So I think it, because of that, I pulled towards Generation 1.5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think mm-hmm. if my parents were younger, it would be a lot easier to let go of some of those expectations or mm-hmm. some of those, you know, tradition, traditional values or whatever it is. Yeah. And like I said, that even though my dad is a lot younger than Linda and Nancy's dad, mm-hmm. he still has a lot of the exact same values. Yeah. Right. True. Um, I would, if I wasn't married now, I would still be at home too, even Mm -hmm. though I'm over 30. Because those values are so important to him, and I respect him so much as my father that Mm -hmm. I would follow him and do exactly that as I'm told because I respect him and want to honor him. Mm hmm. And I, I can think about times where I try to be like hardcore, like, oh, I don't care. I don't care what you think. All and then the time. I go over, I'm like, I do. I do care what you think. I'm not going to do it. I care too whatever. much, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, what are some challenges that you guys have personally faced being Generation 1.5? Definitely, definitely not being able to fully express mm-hmm. our thoughts in in their mother tongue which is mong <laughs> so it always gets lost in translation for sure for sure um because for me personally i learned mong at a very um late age mm-hmm. i probably started reading and speaking mong when i was in my probably last year of high school first year of college and okay. that's pretty late if yeah. you think about it, right? And my mom always tells me that I have like a stiff tongue in the Hmong language. <laughs> and it's like really stressful, especially when you're trying to relay emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're like, I'm very disappointed right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say that in a way that I can relay it. And then she might think I'm angry. Mm-hmm. But I'm more like, no, I was just frustrated with what you did today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're like, because you, you hate me. <laughs> but I'm like, oh my gosh. And then you just get lost in translation right? yeah that's and I, I still go through that today i can i can relate to that too because it's not so much so so i have been speaking Hmong for a long time in especially because that was the only language that i could communicate with my parents but it's more so conversational right mm-hmm. and i can pretty much understand everything even mm-hmm. even words that um, aren't that even vocabulary that is um, less common I'm like okay I know I know what this means mm-hmm. but when I'm trying to express myself mm-hmm. whether like especially when you're angry or when you're hurt mm-hmm. it's so hard to convey yeah and I do think Hmong the Hmong language does lack vocabulary like they yeah. don't have certain words to express certain feelings like anxiety or something yeah. like that or I'm just frustrated with the situation mm-hmm. right like things like yeah. that where 
I, I know I know that a lot of the arguments or the disagreements that I've had with my parents were as a result of a just lost in translation for sure because mm-hmm. because the way that it's translated it can be interpreted to um, a harsher extent you know what I mean yeah. and so I always feel myself um, really being frustrated with the fact that I can't fully express myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Even our parents say that the Hmong language, they don't have deep vocabulary. Mm-hmm, yeah. To ex- so, for instance, like when I read the Hmong Bible versus the English Bible, I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, <laughs> this is so different. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the same message is coming across, but I'm like, it could have been said better in Hmong. Yeah. 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 Even I can relate a little bit because my parents can, my mom is fluent in English, but my dad is a little bit older so his english isn't perfect mm-hmm. but i find when i speak to him i have to speak slowly otherwise he just like he goes i can't understand you talking too fast oh. like, you're talking too fast i can't he doesn't want to take the effort to listen to what i'm saying if i'm speaking too fast so i have to be like hey dad tomorrow you have an appointment at four <laughs> like <laughs> to make sure that he's listening to me because I think it's mostly like he just doesn't want to hear what I have to say if it's mm. too much effort to have to process it all, right? Right. So there's a struggle with that. And I don't think that we've had too many arguments based on translation. But when my dad does get really frustrated, he speaks in Hmong. Mm. Yeah, when he wants That's to when convey you know himself. you're in trouble. Yeah, when he wants to convey himself, he's like... Because right. he can do it best in Hmong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he'll be saying stuff in English, and all of a sudden it's Hmong, and you're like, oh, oh. we're in trouble. <laughs> what did I do wrong? Yeah. 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 And that's when we have to exercise 110% of our brain power. I know. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, but I think that ties in with a really big issue that I feel like we have to as either second generation or 1.5. is mm-hmm. like our parents... They brought us here and they want us to be successful. Like go to school, get a good education, do this, do this, do that. But also learn, but also be fluent in Hmong. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're losing your Hmong, but you need to be better at English. Mm-hmm. It's like at the, at, we're trying to balance it all. And I feel like with each generation, it's less and less Hmong, mm-hmm. right? So like for me, I can't read Hmong well. I can understand most of it and I can speak it enough for my mom to understand me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we have this pressure, like, oh, you're losing the Hmong language. You yeah. guys can't speak anymore. You can't read anymore. The younger kids can't understand at all. You know, we use Hmong, we speak Hmong in front of them so they don't understand what we're saying. Yeah. You know, like, it shouldn't be that way. But that's the pressure that we feel from our parents. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. I think similarly to what we were talking about before, Personally, I've always felt like I couldn't fit in with, obviously, the first generation or the second generation, right? That's mm-hmm. why this 1.5 resonates with me because, I mean, obviously, I'm not as tied or connected to the Hmong culture as my parents, but also, I'm not as loose, loosely tied at, like, the second generation, right? Yeah, so, you're in the middle. So yeah, and not feeling sense. like I really fit in. Um, and the only other people that can like resonate with me is like you guys and, and my siblings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm other general generation one point fivers, but I don't I'm not in communication with them. <laughs> yeah, we have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think another point is sometimes I feel pretty alienated from other peers, um, like, you know, at work or wherever, um, especially like non-cultured people, right? Uh, for example, I uh, told someone at, uh, at one of my workplaces that I lived with, like that, that I was in a home that was, you know, three generational, a three, a third, a three generational home. So there was my parents, myself and um, my brothers and their ki- and their kids. And it was like, was not received. Like, I know that I think it was more, they were maybe they were shocked because they're not used to that. But mm-hmm. I felt really excluded or I felt outcasted kind of or mm-hmm. I felt like that 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 you were so weird right like it was, she <laughs> she she kind of responded like what like you, you should guys... be embarrassed no not embarrassed but more like you do you guys so do you guys actually spend all of your time together like you guys share the same living room you guys eat food together like you guys <laughs> like all of that and you guys don't have your own separate quarters and That's after so... three or four questions i was i was starting to get you know a little bit irritated right being like no this is this is weird i'm feeling really um alienated by this or like that judged. was a clear yeah judged and that was a clear sign to me that um obviously she was not understanding like, yeah a third generational home right and what that looks like mm-hmm. yeah i think that has a lot to do with like you know we joke all the time oh we don't have friends mm-hmm but that's probably one of the reasons, you know, there's, we don't have a lot to, to relate to them. And we like we to a certain extent, you know, when we go to work, we have a professional setting. But as soon as it starts to get personal like that, when you talk about your mm-hmm. homes and stuff, yeah, you're worried that they're going to judge you or they're going to say this or say that. And they just don't understand. You're, you're always having to explain yourself like, yeah. oh, well, in my culture. Yeah, well, well, we do this in my culture. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you have to explain yourself just because you're going to be ridiculed by people who just don't understand i feel like personally that's how i feel at least mm-hmm. that it's it's easier to kind of keep the people who understand me close mm-hmm. yeah than having to explain myself to new people all the time do you know what i'm saying yeah and even conversations with peers like hey what are you doing this evening in my head i'm like i have to help my mom go to the garden i have to like <laughs> help um dye my dad's hair like they, they're <laughs> they're like i'm going out and and i don't want to mm-hmm. and sometimes i feel like i fear I'll, I'll be judged by telling them what i'm actually doing so i'm like i'm hanging out too i'm drinking a glass of wine i'm not doing that okay <laughs> but you know what i mean and yeah. it's not or i just kind of i'm like oh i'm I'm not really doing anything right yeah. um because again i guess the fear of being judged are like oh, okay you're a little bit too close to your family or whatever it is yeah, yeah. which is strange because we should never ever weird right feel like being close to our family is bad in any way mm-hmm. we should be proud of it we are proud yeah. of it yeah for sure <laughs> i know that when i tell like my coworkers or people that i meet that i'm living with my brother and his children they like sometimes automatically assume that oh your house must be like chaotic and like which yeah. don't get me wrong it can be right <laughs> but or like you must be so depressed because you don't get like your private personal space and stuff That's like ridiculous. that ridiculous and I'm like, no, I mean, I'm around them, but I can also go into my room or, you know, I can live in harmony with them, like, <laughs> I, in peace, you know? Yeah. Like, we, we, 
I hang out with my nieces and nephews all the time. Yeah. And I probably talk about them like 90% of my day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think people think that's a little bit odd sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I'm the type of aunt that will show people at work like photos, videos. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look at my little cute mm-hmm. angel like this. <laughs> and I think for the most part they're understanding. But eventually they're just like, well, like this is kind of odd maybe. Because mm-hmm. she's right. spending so much time with her nieces and nephews and I don't know. To me, sometimes I feel misunderstood. Mm-hmm. But yeah. this is just my way of living. I really like that you use the term misunderstood. I think that's better than alienated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. Misunderstood is a better, a better term to describe how I feel. So what are some of the benefits of being Generation 1.5? Or the skills that you've acquired as a result of being a Generation 1.5-er? A good one that I think we can all relate to is that we had to mature quickly because of our parents' expectations. So a good example is, you know, when we we had to, like, take care of all of our parents' medical appointments and make sure they're taking their pills correctly, like, at the age of seven. Not really knowing how to even pronounce some of the medications. We're like, take the blue one at 7 p.m. and this one. 10 p.m. twice a day stuff like that Mm -hmm. that makes you mature and grow because they rely on you yeah and you have that expectation to help them yeah and you know you want to help them too but um it forces you to grow up quickly yeah and then it it in turn teaches you how to love others too Mm -hmm. not just your parents like your siblings or you know anyone in your family right so Mm -hmm. it teaches you how to care and love other people for sure i think another benefit of being a 1.5er is kind of the privilege to be able to experience two really distinct cultures like Mm. you know if you're among Hmong people you can fit in right if you're among western people you can fit in right and you get to experience the deep rich culture of of you know being Hmong, Mm -hmm. but also be able to kind of enjoy this uh other culture that we were raised and born up born into so i think it's really nice to be able to walk those together um challenging but fun and also um a privilege i think another one of the benefits is although we're not completely fluent in Hmong, and it'll be harder for us to be able to pass the language down to our kids at least we'll be able to carry on the values that our parents had instilled in us so mm-hmm. we're not going to expect them to be like you need to take care of me when I'm old and troubled. <laughs> I am. <laughs> but I want them to still understand that they are to still be around us. Mm. You know what I mean? Or at least keep it an, an option. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I don't want them to grow up and be like, I'm 18 now, I'm going to move out. Yeah. You know, yeah, still, yeah. still want them to want to stay with us. Yeah. And if that's something that they chose, right? Exactly. Um, sh- maybe, depending on the circumstances, but the value of family. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's that's something we want to Which is all what we all feel. Like we yeah. like we are expected to stay home. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't married I would be at home too. But it was it's by choice. You know, mm-hmm. we're not like, oh, I'm only here because my dad made me. It's like right. I love my family. I, I, I couldn't be anywhere else but here. Mm-hmm. Type of thing. And that's how we want our kids to be as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another benefit of being a 1.5-er is being able to celebrate both Hmong traditions and Western celebrations. So, for example, we have um, Hmong New Year's where we can wear our traditional clothing um, and, you know, go papa, 
that's yeah that's where you throw like a like a tennis ball almost and you catch it in a certain way it's, it's like a it's, it's like, like a, a way of courting yeah like yeah a, way that a man courts yeah a woman. it's a courting um or eating like mong food all that stuff and then um and then we we're also able to celebrate you know new year's um and then like we also december 31st <laughs> january 1st mm-hmm. um and then also you know we have in addition to like a wedding a western wedding we also have our Hmong traditional wedding yeah that's true mm-hmm. when which, you guys which cindy's going to be part of shortly oh yeah <laughs> you'll have to talk about that your experience maybe yeah um, so when do you guys feel the most connected to your Hmong roots? It's like at an event or? Probably Hmong New Year's. Yeah. Or at a traditional Hmong wedding. Either yes. like as the bride or watching. Like, a viewer. A yeah. participant. Because it's so different. Yeah. Than what you see in the Western uh, culture. Yeah. And, but there's still a sense of pride while watching it, too. It's like, oh, this is so neat. Yeah. If someone was there, like, what's happening? I'm like, okay, well, this this person's going to do this. And you just feel a sense of pride. Yeah. I agree with the, the Hmong New Year's because there's music, there's food, there's... Mm-hmm. You get to wear Hmong traditional garb. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. Like, it... And there's so many different varieties of clothing yeah. that, that people can wear now. Yeah. I think the other thing I, I'd add to that is actually Hmong funerals. I was going to mm. say that too, but I don't really fully understand what's happening at the Hmong funeral. I just see, mm-hmm. like, you know, when they lay the body on the ground. Yeah. Well, and that's I'm like, why is it on the ground? Deeply intertwined you know? with religion. Mm-hmm. With, with the shamanism, yeah. right? Yeah. So we don't know anything about it. Yeah. Or we know mm-hmm. very little about it, so. Yeah. yeah. Or like when they're hitting the drum. Mm. Yeah, like all those yeah. things I don't really... I think specifically I attend more Christian yeah. Hmong weddings, mm-hmm. but you can really feel like community coming together, mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm, you know, what I've experienced. And mm-hmm. you know how long those Hmong funerals can be and then they, you know, prepare food and stuff like that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. unheard of. Like when, when I tell people like I'm going to be at a funeral whole weekend, they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, yeah, what like do you it's mean? like four days long. Like, I gotta yeah. go cook. For most people, like it's four hours yeah and then they go wake, bury right to me so, that's wild yeah so you only see them for four hours and then you go bury them like that's yeah. so sad we have such a long send-off yeah so that's yeah i feel most connected when i see a lot of Hmong social media um representatives you know what i mean cool although i may not follow them yeah. as much as i probably should like just to support them mm-hmm. i when i see like such talented Hmong people in the community i'm like that's so cool mm. like that could be me i was <laughs> but it's ju- not <laughs> i literally just said that in my head like that could have been me. <laughs> i read you i read you i oh, read that gosh my eyes that, what is it telepathy yeah but because it literally could be me mm-hmm. they're doing that but it's not but i just feel so connected to them in some way and it's just nice to see how talented the Hmong community is mm-hmm. right yeah. you see them acting now you see them making their own music um you know youtube stars it's just really it's really cool yeah. it's actually very inspiring suni lee Suni gold lee. medalist yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and i feel like we've always had the potential but because we're such a small group of people that we don't have the outlet or we don't feel like empowered to mm-hmm. but now that we're getting oops sorry now that we're getting 
the spotlight a little bit more mm-hmm. more people are coming out and like oh mm-hmm. well well i really like to sing maybe i should try and then you're like oh you're amazing yeah sing in public yeah well like that's exactly exactly what nancy said she phrased it perfectly when she's like that could be me that's what representation is right yeah. when you see you can see you know that you could be that person and then that opens doors for opportunities and you know and then you work towards you know the goal right so exactly i think that's pretty pretty amazing yeah I see lots more athletes coming mm-hmm. through because of Suni and Megan Kang and all those people that we mentioned mm-hmm. in the previous episode, opening the door for all the Hmong people to feel like they did it, so so can I. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. a lot of our third and fourth generation babies will, yeah. will be the celebrities. Lots to look forward to. <laughs> I hope so. I'm we're preparing inspired. our nieces and nephews already. You know, we see those athletic bodies. And we're like, you, you know, you can be. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, our little niece. The other day, she walked up to her mom and she's like, "I'm going to be an Olympian." I was like, "Yes, girl, cartwheel right now." <laughs> now. Get on the uneven bars right now. Yeah, she's four years old. <laughs> yeah. Investor time. Yeah. Although we resonate with being a 1.5-er, we actually have a 1.5-er in our family. We do. Yes. And that makes us feel like a fake 1.5-er because <laughs> he goes through way more than we have to. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born in Thailand. Yes. And then came to Canada when he was one month old. Yes. He has so much pressure on him. He has to support the parents, lead the family, make a good example for all of his siblings, and bridge the gap between the first generation and any other generation from now. Wow, that's a lot of pressure. Right? I know. Thanks okay, so much, brother. Now I feel like we should be called Generation 1.75 or something. Yeah! <laughs> Maybe we should interview a true Generation 1.5 one day. Yeah, for sure. Well, we know who's on the roster. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thanks, brother. <laughs> So that about wraps up our podcast for today. We're wondering if you've ever heard the term Generation 1.5, and if so, where? Please let us know and connect with us on our socials at podcasthorstories on Instagram and podcasthorstories at gmail.com. We hope you learned something today, and thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, Shinji Doa!